had they used to look at me going what's this lad on you know what I mean and here I was not asking anybody to do anything I just saw problems and I was going to fix them sticking to what you know and being fully committed to the decisions that you've made there's no point of looking in the rear view mirror gotta look forward Hi, my name is John O'Driscoll, and you are very welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. Ask yourself one question. Have you a blueprint for success? Are you doing all you can do to get where you want to be? Join me and my guests each week as we discuss their blueprint for success. This week's guest on the Blueprint Podcast is... Peter Laurie, uh, former European Tour player, winner and rookie of the year, and now owner and operator of Spawell Golf Academy in Dublin. Peter, you're very welcome to the Blueprint Podcast, and thanks for taking time to come on and discuss your blueprint for success. Thank you, John. Rookie of the year, 2003, on the European Tour, and now the DP World Tour was back then, the European Tour. First Irish person to do so, European Tour winner, 2008, left the tour 2016 13 years on the european tour having reached the probably the the accolades that a lot of golfers want to reach is pro golfer status how did you find the adjustment from going on tour and coming off tour and what was the readjustment to normal in inverted commas life like well see tour life was like a circus you had a week-to-week basis where you know your tournament started tournaments ended and every monday was a different week and when you come off tour this is what you have to try and get used to for me i found it absolutely horrendous i i I go to the stage uh, of i was grieving a loss in my life and that grief has possibly still not left after six years because it meant so much to me at the time um i really enjoyed it even though there was ups and downs and there was some dreadful moments and there was some great moments when you're in business which i am now you don't get the you don't get the natural um, on what was great about tour was every week was different Mm -hmm. every week was a new week it was a new chapter it was a new challenge now in life, it, 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 it kind of one week rolls into another, rolls into another. And, you know, OK, you can set goals for yourself in a month's time or, you know what I mean? And you can have a yearly goal. But that was the one thing that I found horrendous, that it was just forward. The other thing was, uh, you know, I love my wife. I love my kids. But not having me time when out on tour, you had very much you time. You know, there was times where you didn't have to be anywhere. You didn't have to do anything. You'd come off the golf course. You were tired. You'd sit down. You'd relax. You know, that doesn't happen at home. It doesn't happen when you have your own business because, you know, there's something going on. There's somebody ringing you. You have to organize something. Um, You know, it's just a constant. There's no switch off. That's why I used to, people used to talk to me about flying. And I went, I love flying. Because, you know, the mobile phone would be switched off. You'd put the chair back. You'd close your eyes and nobody would, you know, you didn't have to talk to anybody. It was great. 
You know, yeah, long haul yeah. fights, six, seven yeah. hours, happy days. Get me in there, no problem. <laughs> um, How did you find, though, being alone with your thoughts, say, after a missed cut where you've no support system around you? I know I've listened to the Golf Weekly podcast and whatnot. I think that you mentioned before that you worked briefly with some sports psychologists or you, you kind of dipped in and out of it. But you know, the way sometimes being alone with your thoughts after disappointment, be it in sport or life or whatnot, um, isn't always the best thing. So were you able to kind of compartmentalize or was it a case of next week's a different week and on we go or, or how did you find it? To a point, you'd say next week was a different week, but you you still would get down on yourself and, mm. and you'd go, you know, like, like any job, um, there's good times and there's bad times. And in the bad times, you have to try and pull yourself through into the good times. But that's sometimes very difficult when, you know, you've had five missed cuts in a row. You've just shot 74 on the Thursday and you're going into Friday knowing the cut's going to be two under. Nothing in your head tells you that you'll be able to shoot four under the next day to get through. That's a very lonely place. It's a very difficult place to be in. Whilst, you know, if you're at home, it's it's a much easier space because you can step out of that and you can go somewhere and you can do something else. Tour life is, it's, that's the one tough part of it. You have to be very strong mentally. You have to take the punches and by God, there's plenty of them and uh, you just have to try and move forward. There's a, a commonly used uh, expression that success leaves clues. Would you think that that's true as in did you learn from other pros on tour or, you know, kind of the do's and the don'ts or, you know, was there certain things that you were able to pick up on from certain people to maybe deal with the, you know, the inevitable big ups and big downs of tour life? Yes, very much so. Um, and success does leave clues, um, especially when you're sitting in the players lounge and you're watching <laughs> other people and you think, no, he's not going to make it. Has the family, kids out this week? No chance. You know, <laughs> and, and those kind of small little things. Okay. Like, as I used to say, you can't be a, a, a dad, a, a, a husband, a, a golfer all in one. Do you know what I mean? No, no, you have to be one or the other. You can't have this, like we don't see yourself with the family in the background. Do you understand what I mean? You, yeah. you have to be very self-centered to play golf at, at a high level. But you're right. You know, that's only one instance. You know, others you could see yourself, especially on the range. And, you know, you, you see guys delving into their swing and and swing coaches and 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 psychologists and trainers and stuff like that and you just think wow you're going down the wrong road here and and you know sometimes you you would be that person doing it to yourself but can't stop yourself because you're searching for something that's you know not there like in 2013 my wife grabbed a hold of me and and she said peter what the hell are you doing and I was driving to Kilkenny, actually, to get my tooth pulled because um, I had old fillings and somebody had told me that the old filling was seeping into my system and it was, you know, making me weak or whatever else. I literally would have done anything. And I mean, I pretty much did everything to try and regain form. But I forgot to look at myself. You know what I mean? Everything was... You know, I need to do this, I need to do that. You just need to sit, relax, take it back and take a big look at the the big picture rather than just the small little ones. 
one of the most oft-used expressions recently, especially with the advent of the new Saudi League and whatnot, is that golfers are independent contractors. Like, you're effectively self-employed when you're on tour. No one is guaranteeing you a paycheck. No one is guaranteeing you money. The, st- the stress of that, of, of being effectively self-employed, how was that? Was that, like, kind of something that was able to be somewhat outsourced? Or I know you were obviously a, a graduate uh, of business, so were you kind of hands-on in that? Or was that a kind of a case of, I, I just can't be across everything. I have to literally start delegating a small bit. No, unfortunately, I'm a bit of a control freak. I, I needed to take my own uh, business by hand and, and, and know exactly what I was doing. You know, early on in my career with one or two management companies, you'd hear horror stories where a young lad would sign up with a management company. He'd be given a credit card, go off and, you know, play golf. Don't worry about it. And then all of a sudden, after four years of him playing mini tours and whatever else he'd come back and say look you know i think they're going to cut you know give it a miss and you know go get a job and the management company said well okay that's no problem but you owe us thirty-five thousand. you know the guy would have wouldn't have a clue he wouldn't you know some of them wouldn't even have a clue how much a bottle of milk is and yeah. you know the, that level of of moving away from life i never did you did have to fly by the seat of your pants a few times um, you know, I have one great story where we were doing up a house, family house. Uh, we'd moved into it. Uh, the builder was still, you know, banging away at a few things and we'd run out of money. I think to myself, how the hell are we going to pay this lad? You know, like, what are we going And I was going off to Wentworth the next week. Yeah. So off I popped over to Wentworth, you know, knowing that I needed the, you know, Wentworth was a big week. You know, yeah, don't yeah, need yeah. these money pressures, but I have them. Uh, and I finished fourth. And I remember holding a putt on the 18 green from about 15 feet. I played with Ernie Els. And Ricky, his caddy, goes, Peter, you, you, what do you do? You know, I, put my ha- I hold the putt, put my hands in the air, celebrating. Ricky's looking at me going, what are you doing? Like, you only finished fourth. And I said, Ricky, trust me, fourth is a whole lot better than where I was when I started. You know, these things happen and uh, um, that's the way you play golf. That's unfortunately the way you're, you know, the tour is. You know, you've... You have some great weeks and then you have some really terrible weeks. And there's probably a lot of like, you know, similarities between that and now running your own business because with COVID, businesses were closed down for so long and cash flow was an issue. I suppose you've been self-employed a large part of your life. When you came off tour and you took the, the role director of golf in Luttrellstown, I presume you went in from kind of like a, a self-employed role to an employed role. But then you subsequently left that to go into Spavel. So there's obviously something in you that likes being self-employed or likes being entrepreneurial or doesn't want to go to the beat of someone else's drum, but the beat of their own drum. Would I be right in saying that? Look, I have to state those poor people in Luttrellstown didn't know what hit them. Um, You know, I walked in there (laughs) being a self-employed person. Not knowing what it was like to take an order for, or, you know, to ask permission or whatever. And, you know, they used to look at me going, what's this lad on? You know what I mean? And here I was not asking anybody to do anything. I just saw problems and I was going to fix them, you know, and it didn't matter, you know, had you budgeted for it. I just saw a problem and let's do it, you know, and that's the way I was. That's that's just my mentality. We'll, we'll figure out how to pay for it later. You know, let's just do it now. Uh, and unfortunately, after I think 18 months or 16 months, you know, I call time on it saying, look, 
you know, I, I'm sorry, but this is not for me. But like, I've tried my best, but I, I, I never asked for permission to go home. And, you know, like somebody used to say, where are you going? I said, going home. What are you asking me for? Like, you, you know, you're not my wife or anything like that. So you're right. I, I needed to work for myself. And you opened Spowell in 2019. It wasn't long open, I presume, when the dreaded COVID hit and you were probably closed down for quite a while. Was there ever kind of a what have I done moment? No, it's it, funny you say that. I actually, there's a, there's a chapter between Lutherstown and Spowell um, where I, 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 I wanted to set up a booking engine uh, for tea times. Yes. Um, and I was going around the country uh, trying to sell this um, tea time system into, uh, and we were supported by the GUI, and you know we had everything right. My one big problem was I knew feck all about software, and and that was a huge mistake. I had the concept, and the concept was great, and the concept in my mind worked perfectly, but getting that into a a product that was an industry that was nearly closed doors uh, I really struggled with and I couldn't understand why people A wouldn't pick up the phone or meet with you or B couldn't get the same concept that I had and the other one was the actual development of the product and I lost an absolute arm a leg and and possibly two arms and two legs. You went from there then into Spowell which I suppose was a very different from what you were doing before insofar as you're now managing staff. You've got a, a going concern that you took over. And I believe I'm right in saying that. You didn't call it the Peter Laurie Golf Academy. Was there any particular no. reason why? Uh, one major reason was um, that nobody would know where the Peter Laurie Golf Academy was. Spowell was, was recognised throughout Ireland as you come into Dublin, Spowell's on your left-hand side. Yeah, I, you know, you go past Spowell. People okay. used to talk about that the whole time. So, like, if you set up Peter Laurie Golf Academy, you know, where's that? So okay. that was the one of the big reasons. And plus, I, I, I wanted to set up a practice facility area that wasn't based around any one person. It was a group. It was a collective. You know, I, I don't give lessons um well i i I give the odd person a lesson who you know who i know or who's you know call me up or whatever but in general i look after the place i make sure the place is working well i make sure all the other pros have everything they need there's a support system there there's a shop there's a you know range bus whatever else so if that all runs smoothly then the driving range runs smoothly I, I thought if I had started teaching into that, you know, I wouldn't be able to do all the other stuff. Um, you just wouldn't have enough time in the day. And and you're right. Um, coming into a, a, a new business like this, trying to deal with staff, which I'd never dealt with before. The only time I dealt with staff was caddies. And I was sacked by two caddies. So, you know, I was sacked by them, not them sacking me. You know, it, 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 it was quite difficult with employees to to understand the idiosyncrasies of, you know, employer, employee um, and, and how you work through that. I, I, I'm so used to getting, you know, friendly with people. You know, I'm the type of person, I give you the shirt. I give you the shirt off my back today, but, you know, don't take it. You know, you get close to people and then all of a sudden they do you and you think, you know, how did, how did I let that happen? Yeah. But, you know, that's business. Any particular 
lessons you learned as a touring pro that you were able to bring into the business world? Oh, well, now, trust me, my wife would say I'm the worst business person in the world. <laughs> uh, uh, the thought uh, of accountants, the thought of forecasts, the thought of, uh, of a basic plan of, you know, your business, that sh- sends shivers down my spine. Um, uh, while I think, as you say, coming from a golfing circle, um, you you attack each problem as they come. You play the golf course rather than you know you you, you be aggressive sometimes, and, and other times you lay up. You you play conservative, and I've brought that into business where, you know, I, I was aggressive when we started in twenty nineteen. Um, you know this place it, it was closed for three months beforehand it had run down quite considerably there was an awful lot to be done to it i i immediately brought top tracer in top tracer was talking yes. to five five different ranges in ireland i was the sixth that that had gotten got in contact with him to do something but i was the first one to go right sign me up where do i sign let's go and i hadn't got a clue you know, was it going to be profitable? Was it, you know, was it going to work well? Uh, were people going to be entertained by it? You know, would people use it? But I just knew that being a golfer, I knew what I would like at a driving range. Yes. Um, and that's and that's what's helped my business. That's that's why I would always recommend people to go into the businesses that they know. Don't be don't be like me. Don't go into a software industry where you knew nothing about how to you know uh, write a software program or whatever else you know it just wasn't my cup of tea it wasn't my forte drive a driving range you know i've been on thousands of them over the years i've been on great practice facilities you know tour life um you know we we spent ages here doing the grass bays uh, and eventually i had to get rid of them because you just couldn't keep up with it like i might as well for the people who were using it, I might as well pay them not to use it because it was costing me that much to keep it, you know, with grass seed right. and stuff like that. But we tried it at the start. And that kind of thing, you know, you knew what to do. You knew people wanted to hit good golf balls. You know, the tee lengths had to be, the mats had to be good. Uh, yeah. Mirrors yeah. at the back of the tee, at, at the back of the bays so you could have a look at your swing. So my, my general knowledge of golf helped my business. I'm a financial advisor by trade, so I always ask my guests their best and worst financial decision in life so far. Okay, uh, worst was plowing an awful lot of money into a booking system that was good, but it wasn't my wheelhouse. Best was probably um, marrying my wife uh, because she has certainly looked after things at home and, and on a financial basis where you know we own our own house at 40 odd years of age in a nice area with no mortgage you know so that to me is one of my probably best you won't believe <laughs> i've just said that you know? i got a hold of her email address and i'll send her the link i came across it um an interview that you did actually with charity mulqueen in the examiner a couple of years ago um, where you relayed a story about having dinner with Damien McGrain and you were discussing the amount of money that you'd earned on tour. I was interested to see, because if you look at that sum from, you know, like just initially you kind of go like, 
Jesus, Peter did very, very well on tour. But obviously there's taxes and there's travel and there's caddies and there's this and there's that. And then I thought the most interesting quote from the interview was you, when you moved away from the tour in 2016, you looked at it like a business. What was coming in? What was going out? And you felt it was no longer viable. That obviously was a very tough decision to make, but you obviously looked at it in a very pragmatic view and a pragmatic approach. How many people do you think could look at that situation on, in golf and say, do you know what, I should have moved away a couple of years ago because I'm after spending a lot of money in the last couple of years and, and really my game was not there. And like, where, like, like any business, where does ego start and pragmatism end, I suppose? A great question um, and, and one that's quite difficult to, to reply to being, a, um, being an addict because golf is an addiction. You know, mm. playing, playing, playing professional golf is an addiction, especially if you've done well at it. You know, there's such a high when you get out there. You know, everything is laid on for you. You know, you're treated like royalty. Um, so it's something very difficult to give up. But when you look at what is coming in and going out, and for the amount of times that you've had to go out, travel, get on a plane, go to X, Y, and Z, come home, I, I, I honestly was on less than minimum wage uh, for the amount of money that I was taking in to the amount of money that I was giving out, you know. So I, I, I said to myself, well, look, I'd be better off at home on minimum wage. At least I'd see the family, uh, you know, on a nightly basis, on a weekly basis. Um, you certainly wouldn't have as many ups and downs to your career or to your, you know, to your year. And that was the decision that I had to make. Yes, it was a tough one. And as I said from the very start, I mourned and still do that career that I had because it meant so much to me. But like anything, life goes on. You you have to pick yourself up. You have to find something else. When I left the tour, I was trying to find something to replace the tour, to replace that adrenaline rush that you get from being in contention. To this day, I haven't found it. And I would recommend anybody not to search for something like that because it's not there. You yeah. know, you, you will eventually be content uh, uh, and you will understand that, you know, other things in life that might give you, you know, happiness. Um, but that the, 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 the search that I went down is just not there. It's just... It doesn't exist. It didn't exist for me anyway. Now, if I ever went back to playing, would it be still there? Would that search be there? Possibly so. But right now, it's, you know, I, I just had to realize that, you know, you just move on. Uh, and I'll say it again. It really, really did feel like there was a death in the family. You know, like I, I, I miss this person, uh, this thing um, that meant so much to me. I thought, I thought it was very prudent that you said there that, you know, you stuck to an industry that you know because it probably would have been very easy to, you know, because you had a profile and you were a pro golfer to, you know, go working in some industry that you knew nothing about and, you know, maybe someone use your name to try and promote a certain product or service or, you know, go down the route of becoming a developer like so many people seem to do back in the day. Like everyone knew how to develop houses all of a sudden. so. There's probably a, a level of 
of maturity and also a level of wanting to stay involved in the game to try and maybe see if you can find that new adrenaline um, which may very well come from Spavos and, and, and the top tracer technology, who knows. Or you might re earth that uh, booking system and that might be um, the cure to all our ills and we're trying to book... Uh... I, I guarantee I will not be taking that. That is well and truly buried. And trust me, it's buried and then it's locked and buried again. So, never a chance. Yeah, well, from someone who... who uh, who built an online business as well myself and um, online financial advice business there definitely is um a lot of traps and rabbit holes that you can go down so there's there's no two ways about that what would be your top five golf courses that you've ever played asking a professional that question right um is probably i wouldn't say a waste of time but they've played so few golf courses okay. um in general like I could count on probably one hand, oh, well, maybe two hands, on the amount of really, really great golf courses I've played in Ireland. You know, really? I haven't played the, I've never played Waterville, you know, one of the best golf courses in the country. I've never played Port Stewart, another great golf course. I have to give you a few that I have played that, yeah. you know, are, 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 are my top five, as you said. So, I, I would definitely look in Ireland and we'll go further afield then. Um, my two favourites in Ireland are the European Club okay. uh, and Port Marnock. Right? Uh, Port Marnock, because I was a student member there from UCD, uh, used to practice there all the time, loved it. You know, great facilities, um, have great memories from there. Yeah, Irish Open and etc. Outside of Ireland, um, um, Cran Concert, Sierra. Probably one of my favorite golf courses. Oh, uh, tight, looks amazing, tricky. Yeah. Um, you know, Seffi redesigned it, bowl-shaped greens. Really, one of my f- very few chances to shoot fifty-nine, and I messed it up. But it's that kind of a golf course. You're either great or you're terrible on it. And and, and then you'd move to the uh, Middle East. Um, you know, we used to play Dubai, smashing golf course, uh, the you know, the Desert Classic there. Abu Dhabi was superb as well. So those kind of golf courses, you know, um, and, and there's a difference in between them, you know, Cran is short, Port Marnock, you know, Lynx golf. So um, all different, but all golf courses I'd always like to play again. Would you worry about where golf is going with the influx of money? Like, like will it get to a stage where, you know, it'll just get oversaturated, it's on television too much, they're, they're so highly paid that, you know, it, it might taint the the majors or the big wins or the, it'll, it'll just become like, you know, um, you know, guys who are like, I don't know, 400 in the world turning up and winning an event backed by the Saudis for five million bucks of a week. Um, like, do you think that whilst obviously it's, it, it's a game and it, it needs money and it, it has massive corporate sponsors already, like, would you fear that golf is going down the kind of a slippery slope with the enormous amount of money that's involved at the moment? Um, I, I think golf is in dangerous in, in a dangerous situation at the moment, absolutely. And it's an in danger of possible extinction uh, in the relationship of money and top players. Right. Um, while the top players are controlling everything, the younger players are losing out in their ability to play. 
the world is getting smaller and smaller for the young guys to come up. Um, I could give you a thousand young guys that are struggling out there to earn a minimum wage, but they're playing to their hearts content in the hope of, of, of reaching the pinnacle of getting out on the DP World Tour or getting out onto the PGA Tour. So at this moment in time, the rich are getting very, very rich, but the poor are getting even poorer. You'll go to a couple of events and you'll see a lot of events falling by the wayside now because mm. they just can't compete. They can't get the players. European Tour events or, or DP World Tour events are struggling now. They can't get the players to commit to playing. It's not like the olden days where Faldo, Seve, Lyle, Langer, Woosnam all teed it up. Now you're getting uh, players who are exceptionally good, but they don't have a name. So the sponsors are saying, well, why am I putting three million into this tournament? Sure, you know, we're not getting the exposure. We're not getting the TV time. We're not getting, uh, uh, you know, our bang for our book. Why bother? Let's move to a different sport. And we've noticed that with Volvo. They moved away from um, golf. They've gone into sailing. Um, and it'll happen with others with other uh, manufacturers as well. Like if if the DP World Tour lost Rolex, they'd be in serious trouble. And I yeah. mean serious trouble. I've banging on the drum here now quite a bit on the on the Golf Weekly podcast in relation to Phil Mickelson. I thought Phil should be banned from golf completely. Yeah. yeah. Purely because because he's, he's tried to destroy something that's taken so long to build up. By playing this live golf, your challenge tour is going to suffer. Your other tours are going to suffer, and they'll suffer dramatically. So the likes of um, the likes of what's happening at the moment is um, it's very very dangerous, I think. But like, if I was a DP World Tour player now, you know, and I say we were twenty ten when I had my best year on tour, um, would I think about playing? the live golf events knowing that I had this X amount of money nearly guaranteed to play yeah I would absolutely because I've got my family to think about you know I I could play as you said for a couple of years and that's me done yeah but what we don't realise is the effect that that's going to have on a knock on effect to the rest of the fields in the different tournaments um, and, and that's the one thing I see Keith Pelly has spoken to the spoken to the players about the ripple effect of what's going to happen down the line. As your career has progressed and has its changed, has you've gotten older, what would you say your blueprint for success has been? Sticking to what you know and being fully committed to the decisions that you've made. Don't second guess yourself. There's no point. There's no point of looking in the rearview mirror. Got to look forward. But it's hard to argue with that. Peter, you've been an absolute gent with your time. I've greatly enjoyed our chat. Not at all. Cheers, John. Thank you all for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. For more information about me, John O'Driscoll, and my day job as a financial advisor, please visit blueprintfp.ie. For more information on the podcast or to listen to other episodes, please visit the-blueprint.ie. Catch you all in the next episode. Take care.